This is the song that never ends, and it goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing without knowing what it was, and they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song that never ends, and it goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing without knowing what it was, and they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the show that never, never ends. ends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it to end. <laughs> Come on, that wasn't so painless. That was wicked. Come on, that was easy. No. Oh, you're a pro. Uh, <laughs> if I've ever seen a pro on this show, it's him. <laughs> Carlito, what an interesting day we're gonna have. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realize you blew all these. Balloons I didn't blow butt. anything. I didn't blow anybody. I didn't blow anything. <laughs> I walked in here and I saw this. It was Venture X. They did it for us, which was really great of them to do it. It's a nice little 200 balloon action there. Yeah, which your is banana good. yellow. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but we got 14 shows all scheduled to record for the next 24 hours. Yeah, I can't wait to see you fall unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of the table, you guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Case. I'm the owner of Alchemist Carpentry. Formerly Vision Carpentry. When did it Vision change? Framing. We started Vision Carpentry and then uh, subnamed Vision Framing with an uh, old partner. He ended up leaving. Long story. But uh, oh, we, we know those stories. Oh, yeah. I've got lots of those too. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I hit a point where I just felt I needed a personal change. Just last year, I started Alchemist, and that's something a little more personal to me. And we were just talking about my logo earlier, and yeah. I'm still working on it. It's been a, what, a year in the making. Yeah. Like, like you sure said, it's take. personal, man. Yeah. It's going to be official when it comes it'll out. Be coming. Take your time. <laughs> you'll, it'll just hit you one day. You'll see something or you'll tweak something, and you'll be like, that's it. I'm yeah. sold. That's done. Well, that's don't it. feel so bad. It's a year for me, too. I'm trying to get a logo, and it's almost impossible to figure out what you want. On the other end, we've got Alonzo. Yes. Uh, clueless Framer. That's a handle. The company is Casanova Contracting, but uh, I'd rather, you know, as a social media kind of thing, Clueless Framers seems better. I love both your names, and you guys get along really well, and I'm, I'm always impressed with what the tradespeople out there, what they come up with, with their handles and, and their branding and their ideas. I love what they're doing. Like, and, and so the two names that you guys, Alchemist and Clueless, I totally love both of those men. They work for me Thanks. really well. I don't know about him. What do you, what's your handle? What's your handle? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know my handle? <laughs> Shame right. on you. So what are we going to talk about today, guys? What do you guys want to talk about today? I guess framing, which is something that we both have in common. Case has a different route than I do. I'm more of the new residential framing. He does a lot more than just framing nowadays. In terms of framing, we're kind of on opposite, end, opposite ends of the spectrum, which I think should be pretty interesting. Yeah. And we all got our little stories to share. That's why I wanted to get you guys in here. I know I've been bugging you, Alonzo, yeah, for yeah. the longest time to get in here. And everyone's always a little bit self-conscious. Even the big boy here, he was a little self-conscious in the beginning until he realized I that was? it was being recorded. <laughs> so he just became a natural and he just started speaking. You guys will have fun. We get a lot of compliments. But, I mean, let me get all the, the deets out, right? So... You got Casa Nova, right? Casa Nueva. Nueva, right? Because your background? It's Chilean. That's it's right. Hispanic, so. I got Chilean in my family, too. Uh, <laughs> email is cluelessframer at gmail.com, and the handle is cluelessframer. And then with Case, you got Alchemist Carpentry, and it's alchemist.carpentry at gmail.com, and it's alchemist underscore carpenter on uh, IG. That's right. That's it. So where do you guys, you guys want to give us a little, little brief background on the history? Because first of all, you're probably half our age, I'm going to assume. 30. Yeah? 
Woo. Well, almost there. <laughs> uh, man, I wish I was 30 again. <laughs> so how did you guys get into construction? I started like in the summers when I was 15. My dad's a framer. I started working with him in the summers to not be home. When I finished high school, I took a year off, went framing. Then I went to college. I went to George Brown for building rentals for three years. How was that? I always got to ask, how was that? Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> Everybody that says I went to school, I always have to ask them. I have to. So how was that? So if I were to go back and do it again, I think I personally would have rather gone the apprenticeship route. Done, you know, five, six years, done the full apprenticeship. Kiss shaking his head. Um, so the reason I would say the apprenticeship route is the three years that I spent there, it just felt like everything was rushed. My learning style, I've never been good at school. So for me to grasp something, if I'm not continuously working with my hands and trying to get there, it's, it's, a, it's a little harder for me. So funny enough, I ended up getting a job right out of college with one of my professors in a rental company. So I had two years around rentals. You know, life when life comes at you, I had a child young. And when I was laid off for this winter break, I had to choose, you know, continue waiting or go back to framing. And because I had more experience framing, it was more money framing. So I just stuck to framing. I got out of rentals and I've just, you know, been framing for solid for eight years now. I've said it before, man. I'm envious of you guys who choose an individual trade. We have all the headaches. And I know a lot of guys become GCs and a lot of guys get out of GCs. It's just because of the reasons that we all know about. But then you guys also have the harsh. You're one of the trades that has the harsh elements, man. And we're about to go into the harsh elements. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one at the table right now that has been hearing it's going to be a typical Canadian winter, which basically means we're going to have a lot of snow. Snow is not cold. It's a pain in the ass for you guys because you got to shovel as soon as you get to the job site. Yeah, it's a couple hours wasted every day. Yeah. Well, not only that, but snow, you guys are breaking ice. Yeah, on the roof, there's tons of ice and snow. Got to be really careful, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you have to adjust your strategy come winter framing. I don't know how Case did it Well, when you were full framing, like what your strategy was. But for us, we don't build tables on the roof. We don't cut on roofs anymore. One guy passing, two guys on sheets. It's a two-man kind of one guy will do layout. Or, sorry, not layouts. One guy will measure while the other guy's nailing. And the sheet goes up, they help each other, put in the clips, everything, and chicken plates on everything. It's a lot easier to walk on, less slips. And it's just, if we start a face, like if we start a side of a roof, we finish that side of the roof that day so we don't have to walk on it the next. Yep, we're the same strategy in the winter. Yeah. Summer is completely different, right? Winter, you got to work smart. Anything can happen. All it takes, even on chicken board, is, you know, slight little slip, and down you go. Yeah. Okay, forgive me. Chicken board. What are you guys talking about? Two by four nailed onto the plywood just That's to give you like an a inch cleat. and a half. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes, I've never heard it called a chicken board uh, before. A lot of guys I talk to call them chicken plates because uh, they don't like them. They just, you know. Yeah, but I like chicken, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have three chickens at home right now. No, it's the old, it's the old school guys, right? You yeah. throw, throw the board on. They're like, ah, chicken board. Scared. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Now I understand it. Yeah. Okay, so that was that's your path, and that's how. So now you're you're part of the union. Yeah. Okay, and then case you're not. I am not anymore. Anymore. My background's kind of all over the place. You know, bartending, working in restaurants. Uh, went to school for animation. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> yeah, and then fell into carpentry. I joined the union, tried that apprenticeship. That's why I was shaking my head. Tried the apprenticeship path. Said it wasn't working for me. Found myself on the framing site. That's where things kind of changed. I really liked framing at the time. 
And with my personality, anytime I find something I really like, I'm just obsessed and I just dive right in. So I did that, stopped paying my union dues and just got, got out of there. Felt good, huh? It felt good because it felt like I wasn't wasting my money anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> we were on two different unions. So he was local 27. Yeah. And I was 183. But the big difference between the two unions is I have a story. A couple of years ago, we were called into a job in Toronto down at Lawrence off of the Allen Road. It was a building that was underground parking, townhouses, basically four story plus rooftop terrace. It was started by Local 27. The carpenters were framing that. But because everybody that did the infrastructure, they were all Local 183 guys, the unions, they had a clash. Local 27 got kicked off the job and 183 had to continue framing. There were five units, like five sections of townhouses left. They so were back what to was the frame. clash? Was it a jurisdiction kind of bullshit? Kind of, yeah. You can't have Local 27 working where Local 183 is, I guess, was well, the problem. I'll chime in here. Here's where the change happened, right? 183 was doing all these condos, and they had all these contracts in the beginning. 27 is ICI, right? Industrial, commercial, institutional. So when condos started having the first floors as commercial space, 27 had the rights to that. But to get to that first floor, they're doing everything below ground as well. So that's where 183 lost a lot of their contracts. So that's where the huge clash happened, right? That's huge money. Talking about what millions of dollars in or a billion dollar in the condo and you're losing half of that. But I always thought a union was supposed to be a brotherhood, a sisterhood. You're supposed to watch out for each other. Not if you're in a different union. <laughs> well, that's not true too. Like if you're working in Toronto and you go to work into Hamilton, yeah. the guys in Hamilton don't want the Toronto guys working in Hamilton, even if it's the same union and the same company, right? So you still get a lot of fights. I guess that depends on the site. But in this in this section, we just kind of took over the project from where the local 27 guys went. That was it. And we were having this conversation, too, over uh, workforces that are union versus non-union. As far as I'm aware, because I ran into someone at the union, actually, when I was paying my dues, he was losing his shit because the union was forcing his company to go union because 50% of his workforce was union. So and that's the cutoff. Yeah, he did paving. He wrote uh, like asphalt, like roads, like road work. And he said that he had guys that were members of the union. And because 50% of his crew was, he had to get into the union. Okay, so let me ask you guys a question here that's probably going to split the room. A union framer versus a non-union framer, who's better? Case. A non-union framer <laughs> is better? Yes. At the skill? Uh, I disagree. No. You disagree? I, I wouldn't say about at the skill. So what would you agree at? It depends if you're doing or what type of job sites you're doing and if you have control of the price. Yeah. I don't have pricing power. I'm set with pricing per square foot plus extras. So, you know, if it's a 712 pitch roof versus a 14, a 14 pitch roof is going to pay me more. Back until I think the last negotiations, anything under a six was free, like for the roof framing Got aspect it. of it. Okay, I understand. So basically the architects would write something like 5.75 pitch roof. Just to get free. So that wasn't something that we can control. And if you're doing a fucking corner house with a whole bunch of hips and valleys and everything, it was free. So that aspect is... But that's a little shady, right? I mean... That's that shady. You want to work? I know, but that's shadiness, <laughs> no? Listen, you, you, if you uh, create a problem a lot of times, 
they're just gonna move you on and you'll find yourself okay i think it's fair to crew. say that i'm a, i'm not a fan of unions like i've always said that unions in the beginning were a great idea when unions of today i don't think are a great idea i think everyone should be in the union at some point at some to learn mm. that all depends on the individual if you want to run your own company it's uh, up like it's a 50 50 for that but if you definitely don't want to run a business and you just want to punch in and punch out you got benefits, pension. It benefits you totally, right? Yep, 100% agree with yeah. you there. If you're a business owner, union again can with suck. And with yeah. union, a lot of times you're doing work that you're not proud of. Even though it's fantastic work and everyone's a real tradesman, like everyone's still a pro. I, I, some of the best guys I know are in the union. They don't do what they're capable of doing, though. They're just... You know, that punch in, punch out, minimum code. But it's good money, and it's steady money, and it's you yeah. can plan for the future. Yeah, but sometimes people work with passion, and they need more for themselves. It's like an, you need a happiness, so you got to... And you can make more money working on your own, right? Yeah. If you're smart with your money. Like, you left the union, so what are you doing for your uh, pension now? Nothing. My pension is my bank account, right? Yeah, so you're just doing personal investments, right? Yeah. I actually like that. I want to create a bumper sticker that says that. Well, he's so young, he's looking at making possibly between five and 10000 a month on his pension. And he doesn't even have to worry about it. He doesn't have to pay an but accountant have, but right now. A sec, but you're paying into that five, whatever, uh, a month. So the way that it works is if I'm a contractor, and here's the big difference in why I say non-union could potentially be better. Case, if he was doing subdivisions that are non-union i think would probably make about the same if not maybe i might be able to make more because i've talked to other guys that have been non-union in subdivisions and they said that one day the contractor cut their prices and they're like well you want the work or not but case as a person if he's doing non-union new residential and he has the opportunity to go into a custom he doesn't have to pay the union 25 percent like i would like i can't price a custom and do it behind their backs because if they find out the repercussions can be a lot worse and from my understanding i got to pay 25 percent as a kickback is it penalties like you're going to get charged fines if you did that 25 percent. 25 percent, you'll get charged whatever the contract oh, is yeah from my understanding it's some somewhere around there so i don't look at custom jobs because of it that risk to me isn't worth it and i'm so steady that i'm i've kind of hit a comfort level where I wake up in the morning, I have a job site. I finish the house, I give the blueprint, they check the house, but while they're checking the house, I start something else. If I have deficiencies, I go back, I fix them, and then I go back to the next house that I was framing. And then with the contract that I'm working now is I have a steady income, if you will. If I build a house every two weeks and I invoice on a Tuesday, I get paid on the Friday. If I invoice on any Tuesday that I want, I get paid Friday. If the house isn't done, I get an advance because that's kind of the relationship that I've built. and. I guess I'm in a comfort level now with that. It's security. Yeah. Hugely security. So, Case, you don't have kids, right? I have two. Oh, you have two yeah. kids? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I've got a three and a five-year-old. Holy man. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you're not supposed to do any of well, that. I'm young. I'm not that young. I'm 33. Um, I was just going to say, so I guess this is an interesting dynamic because you've got you guys are good friends too, right? So you guys get along really well, but you both are passionate about the trade, but one is one way, one is another way. Yeah. For different reasons. I have a lot of respect for the guys that have to price out custom jobs. The times that jobs have come to me, even if it's like a small weekend job, and they'll send it to me and they'll say, hey, like, can you price this out? Oh, and can you give me a material list? Automatically to me, that's no. 
Because for me to do the material list, I think of that risk of what if I'm short on material and yeah. it has to come out of my pocket. Yeah. And I don't have his experience in pricing jobs, maybe getting cranes, because I don't have to do any of that. Like I have a forklift, but I don't have to rent cranes. If that needs to be done, that's done by the companies that I built for. Happened in that job in Toronto. They had yeah. to rent a crane to boom up all the material. He has a lot more experience in pricing. And I feel like if I came now and I said, you know what, I don't want to do any more union framing in the beginning, first year, two years, I'll, I'll start losing before I start making good money. Yeah, but what do you think I did in the beginning? Yeah. Same thing, knocking on doors. And you're really losing before you gain, right? Yeah. Exactly what you said is the experience. Yeah. I didn't know how to price a job in the beginning. Slowly uh, throw a number out there. This is what the average rate is going for. I'll go for that. But going through those jobs, you quickly learn that average rate doesn't mean shit. Yeah, well, it pays the bills, right? It pays the bills. But well, the average really rate doesn't cover the cost of you living, surviving. Mm -hmm. Like, there's much more to consider to attach to that average rate yeah. to actually build a business if you're on your own versus your But in the same boat, your employer is in the same boat. He has to price you out at a certain rate for him to keep his machine going. Which I'm assuming has got to be higher than yours, case right? Because he's got so yeah. much more overhead. But it's mm. production, so you're doing a lot more than one job site. But also the price point is lower. No, his is higher. No, no, I mean oh, the overall price point. So when you've got it's production, it's a subdivision, x amount of houses, and then x amount of cost for each house versus he's going in doing one house at a higher rate. Isn't that correct? Yeah, but he doesn't have to pay anyone. So he gets to reinvest his money and do whatever he wants with his money. Worth your money, you're kind of setting it up a certain price. And the unions are making, like they're pricing out, say, just going to hourly. You were like 40 bucks an hour. They would be pricing you out at 75 bucks if you were a laborer. Yeah. Not, a, not a, a sub, right? The union has nothing to do with the pricing, though. Okay. So as far as I'm concerned, the contractors... They're unionized contractors because their workforce is union and they're a part of the union. So when they submit a bid for a, let's just say a new subdivision, from my understanding, he gives his price, whatever his price is, the union gets their cut and what he has to pay the carpenters plus what he keeps for himself, that's all, you know, that's already, if you do the job faster, obviously he makes more money. So times like right now with COVID and you guys have talked about it a lot in the show, I can't imagine he's making as much money as he was maybe two, three years ago because there's a lot less people to do the sites as fast. So you got to have yeah, a right. forklift driver, a foreman, and everything on the site longer. Are you having problems with equipment? I have my own equipment, right? I have my own forklift. I have my own crew. I just get a blueprint. I frame the house. You know, any deficiencies that need to be fixed, I go back, I fix them. You know, make sure that they're happy, and that's it. And then I start, and I'm on to the next job. What are the typical complaints or callbacks? For me... Sometimes I'll miss like a point load or two. We'll frame and, you know, maybe the door's in the wrong place. Nothing huge. Well, like, that point load sounded pretty huge. <laughs> <laughs> Just missing a point load. <laughs> I was okay, like, huh? we don't need that. <laughs> no, like you mean an extra two by four, two by six or, or something. Or like, yeah, like a block that has to go in the floor or something. A squash that maybe box. Was missed. Yeah. yeah, like a squash block. Yeah. Or sometimes we'll do have a girder and it'll go down to like two by ten header. And I already have two loads supporting the two by ten header. The inspector will want me to put both of those point loads down to the basement just in case. Yeah, right. It depends on the inspector. 
You what? Missed a, you missed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sneak away just a bit. See, I got Jason down there in the room. He's helping me out just with scheduling things. Well, his, this, was he helping you with the balloons? The, no, he wasn't. I'm just saying <laughs> that this is this is a huge undertaking. I still want to get into the dynamic between the two of you guys, trying to figure out more of that. And, and is it really better or worse, or is it good? Are you eventually going to leave? Alonzo, is that the idea? Right now, I'm lucky enough to be working with my dad. He's a lot closer to retiring, obviously. He's... 50. So whenever he gets his pension and he gets his hours, my kids will be older by then. Hopefully I have my shit together and I'll have enough in the savings where I can go and do the customer out. Retire early from the union because I, I don't want to be doing subdivisions forever, but the comfort and the safety of having kids and having you know guaranteed work keeps me around. What are some of the things in subdivision that just irritate you, man? Like, you do it because it's just production, so you get it done, but there's certain things that just, like, come on, can we just spend an extra five minutes and take care of this? Maybe clear lines of communication between, because I don't talk to any of the subtrades that come after me. I'm not a part of any of that planning process. Like, if Case gets a job, I can imagine if he's got a bathroom, he has the full rough and details. Hopefully they have them. Not all the time, but you reach out, you talk to the builder, you talk to the homeowner, whoever it is and figure out who the trades are and you communicate. But yeah, you have to communicate. No, but you're right. A lot of times these uh, construction coordinators or supervisors, foremen, they don't hand over all the information that you need to have, right? No, you've got a large scale project, maybe two, 300 houses. I remember there was this one site we were on for a builder and another framer did the house. When the homeowners were doing their PDI, they were like, well, we got a four bedroom. Why is this a three? Uh oh. <laughs> so the house was framed, house was fully bricked, and they just called us in and they said, Hey, can you rearrange these walls? They're going to have to cut open the brick and everything to make it a four bedroom. Because they bought a four bedroom, but that message wasn't relayed to the, oh my God. To the, to the site super. But it looked so, better as a three bedroom. <laughs> it made more sense, right? Minor details. <laughs> I mean, financially, though, uh, like if you're buying a house, I would opt for the extra bedroom because resale value is going to be much better on a four bedroom than it is a three. I disagree with that. No? Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think today families are smaller and families want bigger bedrooms. Also, also, I think that the bedrooms don't. Like, I mean, when you look at it and you say four bedroom or three bedroom, it's. Sure, you want a four bedroom, but when you look at the size of the rooms, sometimes you want to have a three because they're small, right? I disagree with that in the sense of how much time do you really spend on your room. Like, I got three kids, we were in a three bedroom house, and now it's like my next move. I either, like, now I have to finish the basement, and I think, okay, well, my daughter's a teenager, does she, like, one of my kids are gonna have to share. So for me, that house no longer works as a long term plan, not like it ever really was. But I would rather be in a four bedroom and have the extra bedroom and you can either have it as an office or you can have it as a bedroom. Like I don't have a dedicated office space in my house. So unless I build my basement and sacrifice a place that maybe I wanted to convert into a gym into an office, I won't have an office in my house. Yeah, but see, that's two things, right? That's one personal preference and the second is demographic. So I kind of agree with Manny there because guess what? Everybody wants an ensuite. Everybody wants that luxurious bathroom. So That's where I was going at. That, that, that bedroom becomes that luxurious side of the exactly. master. So yeah. in, in new builds, it's a little different. But when you're doing renovations and doing custom builds, they want all those luxury features. So if you don't have all the space to put in, you know, five bedrooms with everything in there, guess what? 
you have less bedrooms, but you have more features. It's the minivan syndrome. From what I hear with you people that have kids, the moment you get three kids, you're looking at minivans. You're not looking at cars <laughs> or SUVs anymore. You're looking at minivans. But I, but I want to tell you something, and this is an actual fact. And there's no cool minivans out there. I don't give a shit. There are cool minivans. No, there aren't. Yeah, there are. <laughs> Air ride. What, are, you, are you waiting for Tesla to make a minivan? Is that what you're going to wait for? That yeah. minivan with the F1 engine in it. That's pretty fucking <laughs> That's <sick>. pretty <laughs> damn cool. <laughs> but I mean, you could get an excuse and get like a Ford Transit Dually. Because I've been looking at them. Ford Transit Dually, 12-passenger van. And just say, you know, this is my minivan. That's different, though. <laughs> that that's a, <laughs> that becomes a, sprinter, a camper. That becomes a camper, right? Yeah, like Case's Sprinter with five seats would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. It Still would wouldn't want to drive it. For family, but for camping trips and stuff. But for work, I do need the space in the back. Even with whatever space I have, I wish I had more. Yeah, yeah just taking tools in and out takes an hour, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> for me, three bedrooms fine because I'll just kick her out and i've done that before my wife needed a room next door because i was snoring too much there we go we kicked her out the, the marriage counseling and she grew up the show right now <laughs> wait but wouldn't that mean that your wife also kicked you out well no yes. she kicked herself out of the next room <laughs> i got the better bed for the record all right so we, we want to ask you guys you guys you guys have a construction bone to pick in the industry in general it doesn't have to be framing it could be anything for me it's just guys who don't want to get better that they're just in it for the buck. We were talking about something else completely different. We were talking about art on the way up and he mentioned NFTs. It's the same kind of value, right? The core value is that you do it to improve. The money is important. Yeah, everybody needs it to survive, but your core value has to be that you wanna be better, you wanna improve, you wanna have people around you that are of the same mentality. But if you're, you see guys that are just coming in, oh, uh, knock it off or whatever cheaper price, they're just trying to turn a buck. That's what turns me off. Yeah, it goes kind of. <laughs> what? Well, I know Case's point, so there's got to be something that's itching away at you. Yeah, because we were ba what the conversation with NFTs was basically because Case is an artist. I said, hey, you should create your own kind of digital art. I'm still learning about the whole NFT, the crypto. I want to get more information. I want to learn more. I know that Carlito is on the same page as well, too. But yeah, I'm yeah. in the learning curve. But I mean, I, I mean, if you follow Gary Vee, yeah, I think we've talked about him. Yeah. Social media. He's huge on NFTs and he's huge on his projects. And I was basically telling him, like, the value of them will eventually go up if you make a limited set of something and people want it. And I had this conversation with one of my little sisters yesterday. I said, you should learn about the space because she likes drawing and she likes creating. I'm like, because you can reach a, you can reach a much bigger audience, than you would if you just sold art, because she said she wanted to be an artist, and I said you can reach a much bigger audience, you know. And the value of your art, like the thing that I think is cool about that, like, is that, if a creator creates something, and one person buys it, and you decide to sell it to somebody else, the creator gets a kickback fee. Yep. From every time that it is sold, they get a kickback fee, and I think that's really cool because it's not like one and done, and that's it. You're always generating some sort of passive income if people continue to sell. The thing about artists, though, in case you'll probably back me up on that, I've known my share of artists, and they love just living life and just living in the moment and being, they don't care about the monetization of anything. And they'd rather be in an alley painting something on a brick wall that it might get washed away the next day instead of creating that, putting it on a digital platform, selling it, and getting kickback. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. 
so it's hard to convince the artists to do that. So I mean, I NFTs are still new to me, so it'd be interesting to get. To, I don't know how did we how did we get to NFTs. He compared know, it to employee. <laughs> he, comp he compared it to value of people not wanting. Value. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. But you still didn't share the itch. The itch. Shit, there's a lot. <laughs> so share one. I well, think I pointed at him because I always make fun of him. For, uh, like, crown your studs, right? He doesn't yeah. crown his studs. Uh oh. He's like, I don't have time I've been, for that shit. I've been taking a lot more time to just kind of build better. But again, we go back into the conversation of construction isn't always perfect. There's a thing that the, this conversation is bigger because when I feel like on Instagram, everything is glorified, like you guys say. When I've worked with I call Keith, it fake. <laughs> That's what I call it. The, the thing is, I've worked with Case. I've been on a couple of his job sites. A few. I've seen him. We helped him see the roof once. It was a 9,000 square foot build. And you ask him, like, there's always a conversation. If you have one friend that's union, one guy that does customs, you say, because he's been on a couple of my job sites, I would say, hey, what would you charge for this house if you were going to build it? I'll show him the prints, whatever. He's physically looking at the project. He'd be like somewhere like 50 grand. And I'm getting paid somewhere 18 to 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a level of we frame really well, but subdivision, like you guys have said, is a different beast. We have to frame as best as we can, as fast as we can to make money. It meets OBC. Oh, yeah. It's still structurally sound. Yeah. It just doesn't look as pretty. Yeah. But again, when the back framers come in, they're paid to check any of the crowns that might have been missed or anything like that. Yeah, they so, never do. So my exterior yeah. walls are one thing. My interior sometimes, you know... They just go up, or sometimes the wood isn't perfect. As a union member, are you given a, a report of any of the back framing just to keep you in the no. loop? No? I frame. I go back to fix my deficiencies. That's the last time I see the house. Hmm. Even the customs, like the other projects, once it's framed and I'm gone, I'm gone. Let me ask you guys, if you've got a younger person coming into the industry and they want to be a framer, what are you guys going to tell them? Go union, go non-union? Honestly, that... That actually brings me back to what you were asking. Who is better, yeah. union or non-union? And I think it's all to do with the individual. My mentor, who I learned framing from years ago, he used to be union, one of the best carpenters I've ever known. I've met some amazing carpenters that are part of 183 in the union doing subdivision homes. And just like Carlito said, they're very skilled, but they may be limited by the scope of work that they're doing. So it's not a question of who's better because there's going to be shitty framers in custom and shitty framers in subdivision and sure. great framers, vice versa, right? So it's not whether who's better, union or non-union. It all comes down to the individual. But as an end product, I think the guys working in union are very limited to what they can do because they don't get paid well enough to produce the quality of work that they can produce. I think that they get paid very well from the guys I know that other guys that I know that are in, in the union framing. They get paid really well, but they expect more. What I see in the difference is someone like you and me not being in a union framing, we have different tools than they do. They have warm drives, they don't have table saws, they don't you know, the tools change. So the precision changes, right? Mm -hmm. And I notice that when you're a custom framer you try to have the speed that a union does, but the guys in the union are much faster. It's going in, it's getting banged off, and it's done right away. Where, you know, guys not in the union, they put a lot more love into things, and things slow down. And then customers are always wonder, 
why does it take longer? But if you're a tile setter, then you start looking at the framer and saying, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I think Craig Case's price point, he can price the way he wants. The reputation that I understand that he's built and the work that I've seen him do, because I've helped him on a couple of jobs. I think like three now. Like I'll just go out frame for the day or whatever. Um, I'll call him out of the blue. Hey, come help me with this. Yeah. And if, you know. Are you doing it to get out of the rut of the union and to try to learn custom? No, I actually like working with Case. Okay. Like I think if, it's hard to say, but like I think if I didn't have my dad to frame with my dad, like a lot of people, when they look back at their lives, some people don't get along with their parents. I think when I get older, I'm going to appreciate all the years that I was able to spend with him. For sure. And now my mom is in the crew too. Wow. Really? She's driving the machine due to COVID. She did. He, she was in the hospitality industry. She was like, you know, cleaning resorts and yeah. sometimes going to events and catering. Her boss had her doing that. And all of that slowed down. And we can talk about an injury that I had with my back that fro froze up. And I had a doctor tell me, you should look into getting out of framing. I don't think you can frame for... He's like, I give you five to 10 years. I was going to bring that up because a lot of you young guys yeah. think that you're super men and women. And, you know, like Carlito and I, we move maybe a little bit slower than you guys. And maybe Thanks, there's Manny. a few creaks. <laughs> I'm speaking for both of us. But I, I'm noticing that there's a lot of 20-somethings and early 30-somethings that you guys are doing things that you should not be doing. Do you want to talk about your, your injury? Yeah, I can. So be almost six years ago. I was spreading trusses on a, on a townhouse. So I had the block wall to walk on and I was comfortable. And we always covered our stair openings. From the top two feet down from the roof, our stair openings were always covered. And for some reason, the trusses, because they're on the block wall, was just, you know, I was walking perfectly fine, whatever, but I didn't want, you know, kind of the bounce if I took an extra step. Yeah. So I stepped down onto the scaffold, onto the covered stair opening, and it had rained the day before. The nails maybe didn't catch. I went down the stair opening. like I. The whole way? Yeah, uh, to the first floor because we covered the basement. We always cover our basement access. Wow. So uh, when I opened my eyes, I just remember one guy running down the stairs. The laborers were cleaning the back of the house. They were running in from the back door. And I tried getting up, and they held me down. I went to the hospital, everything. They had me in a neck brace, which was the most uncomfortable fucking thing ever. You know, they ran tests on me. Everything was fine. I just walked out of the hospital the next day. I was back on the site ready to talk to the guy from MOL because there was an investigation. My neck was sore as shit. But I recovered from that. It'd be two, almost three years ago, I got rear-ended on the highway. And I've done CT scans, MRIs, everything. My back, my muscles are fucked. Like, it's not anything broken, no, no disc, no nothing. I just... They're tense. Yeah. I got a doctor for you. Yeah. I'll give it to you after the... Uh... <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> well, just so you know, I have six hernia discs, two blown knees. Jesus. I just got my hip finally fixed. Okay, let me change my opinion about Carlito and I on that. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little more active than no, Carlito. no, he's not. <laughs> so funny enough, me and Case uh, Case came out to help me do my roof. We reshingled my the roof to the house mm -hmm. a year ago now, and when we were doing the finishes, my back just locked up randomly. Just on the sloped roof, my back just locked up. Wasn't carrying anything heavy, nothing. And I'm like, Case, I think I'm stuck. No, that was fake. He was just tired. He, he was just down. tired. He was using <laughs> no, an excuse now. I waters. had him doing all the work. What the so fuck? what was the deal? <laughs> Did someone pop your sheet? Is that what it was? What do you mean? Did someone take it off and not nail it again? And that's the reason why it went? 
Because you said you nailed it the night before. You were certain that you nailed it down the, the night before. We didn't do a support block right at the edge. And oh. I happened to step right on the edge. And I guess because the nail was on a 45, it didn't catch properly. It didn't catch. So it just dropped like a trap door. So you falling down, basically, you hurt yourself, but you were still okay. But then the car accident is what... Fucking sent me over the edge, yeah. Well, there, it, there was an injury already there. You're, uh, yeah. You know what? You had pain tolerance and adrenaline, and it covers up and masks a lot of those problems, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I know the viewers can't see, but this is how bad it gets. I'm 50. I'm the same age as your dad, which is why I was laughing when you said my dad's 50, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, shit, I, you could be my son. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, these injuries, as you're young, you don't realize how bad they get. So I'm 50, and I carry this copper ball. I mean, this cork ball in my pocket. I have to roll my muscles all day. You got to take care of yourself, especially when you get injuries. It's not a joke. Like, people laugh it off, but this podcast is perfect for, like, we need to tell people to start taking it. Like, I'm massaging myself all day because I can't keep paying for a chiropractor. You know, 60 bucks, 120, 60 bucks, 120. So I've learned to take care of myself. So you need to get on board right away with your body so you can work longer, so you can make money, right? Yeah. I'm so. sorry I'm laughing because Carlito plays with his balls all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And no one touched my balls. <laughs> no, Actually. but that's a good point. And, and anything to do with when you get older, you, it's the muscle and making it expand, right? Yeah. It, that's what it is. So it, that works. No, I'm, I'm joking yeah. as much as... Dude, I, I massaged myself for half an hour before I came. It sounds kind of weird, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you Actually, know. I keep trying to tell Don't Case we should change history. our Instagram handles to Brokeback Framers. You guys got a video you know back against the I wall. I bet you it's already taken. I bet you any money it's already taken, man. Uh, <laughs> the movie kind of wrecked it, but again, he has, he has back pain just like I do. I, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it briefly because it's, it's a really good contrast, right, for everybody who's listening, thinking you got to have this big injury for you to really mess up your body. No. You don't. And I'm proof of that. Part of me changing my company was hurting my back, and it was kind of like a wake-up call as well. All I was doing was literally up on a ladder, grabbing a sheet of half-inch plywood, twisting it to put up on a wall, and I came down. My back was sore, so I sat up, and I kinked it. I'm going to lay down for a second. Couldn't get up after that. That's all it was. And that's just from years of not working properly, not treating your body the way it should be treated. Like when, when we're younger, we're doing all this stupid shit, right? Like we were talking about yesterday, yeah. walking on fascia. Well, I do. He doesn't. <laughs> walking and on fascia boards? Yeah. I'm well, walking I'll, on I'll fascia. i walk on fascia boards that <laughs> I nail myself. I won't walk on fascia board that somebody else nails. True, okay. Because <laughs> I know what, what went in there and what it can hold. But the stupid... <laughs> or <laughs> coming back to it, the stupid things that we do to our bodies not realizing... It's going to come back to haunt you. Oh, and yeah. I, I wish I would have listened to, <laughs> to all those guys because younger, they were like, oh, you know, put your knee pads on or don't lift like that. Yeah. Stop being stretch, a hero stretch, and carrying stretch. whatever 10 studs. And I'm like, it doesn't hurt. I'm fine. It's the, it's the macho-ness bullshit in the yeah. construction industry. That's what it is. Yeah, you see one guy carrying six yep. studs. You're like, I'll carry seven and yep. eight. And yeah, it's Construction stupid. is endurance. So <laughs> it is. It is and it isn't, but the thing is, you've got a team. How many people on your framing crew? Mom included four. So four people. myself, my dad, and... At any given time, someone can carry the other half at any given time. Well, I'll just... If it's a big... Like, we try not to carry anything crazy. I got a forklift for that. 
Yeah. I have a That's what I mean. Is it's like, so it, like there's people or yeah. machinery to help you to avoid. So yeah. going on that topic, it's probably been about five years now. Five years ago, we bought a forklift. I had an interesting conversation with a contractor that had a whole bunch of followers, K-Angle, Kyle. And he basically was talking about his experience. And he said to me one thing that stood out where he said, if I could go back to when I started my framing career, when it was me and my partner, between hiring one guy and buying a machine, I would have bought a machine. Yeah, I and, agree. And that was, that was one of the things that stuck out to me. So then I went home and it, it just soaked with me. And my dad said, my dream is, has, when I was starting, he's like, one day I want to own a forklift. So we found a way, or yeah, we, I looked into it. I kind of got him hooked on the idea. We found a way to get one of our own, to buy it. And he says, if it wasn't for the forklift, I don't know if I can continue framing because he was already feeling it in his shoulders. Because back when he was younger, he was lifting beams with the shoulders. Yeah. It's great for a photo op, Instagram fakeness and all this other stuff, yeah. but it's not smart because like you, you can tweak. We've all been there. I've tweaked something and you're like, wait a minute, how the hell did I tweak that by doing this? No. It makes no sense. No. Like the human body is designed a certain way and it's not designed to do that, especially if there's a crew on site. Crew on site, man, take half, take a quarter. I don't give a shit. Just take, like, take some of it because you'll hurt yourself. I think back in the day, I don't know, which is going back to this, it was just get it done. The, let's just get it done. Because my dad would tell me before work was so crazy that they would hire anybody off of the streets. He said that there was a guy that was a clown that used to frame during the day and he used to do birthday parties. <laughs> what, a literal clown? Like literal clown. Had, like, a a I bet you he was the best. You guys hired an actual clown. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he would, he, he said he'd be like on a Friday, the contractor would be like, hey, are you good? Take a check. Here's a plan. Take a check. Here's a plan. So he was just hustling, building houses. I mean, not right now, like there's a shortage of guys, but it's still that craziness. Just he's working, we're working smarter. You have to. It's, it's about longevity. Cause yeah. you know, after I had that meeting with the chiropractor, it's like shit, five, 10 years, what am I going to do? So now I'm thinking what else, Other, which is kind of the conversation of NFTs. Cause now my mind is always going, and you guys have talked about it too, side hustles or side yeah. gigs. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out a what else or at least a 10 to 15 year plan. You have to. To have a fallback that isn't framing. And then for all you guys that are in construction and thinking I got an injury and I want to get out of it, you getting into an office environment and sitting on a chair for 8 to 10 hours in front of a computer is not going to be good to your body either. No. So you have to understand that. Or a salesperson who's on the floor and walking around all the time on your feet, that's not going to be good to you either. So you have to take care of your body. The conversation that you had about no longer, you know, maybe no longer being a GC. When the chiropractor told me that, I was job hunting for a bit, which is when my mom came in. We said, all right, we need somebody at least on the forklift. Let's just train, you know, someone. And between paying somebody out or like paying someone else or paying someone in-house that can learn the trade and learn how to like drive mainly, we prefer to just keep the money in the family, grow as a I don't know. That's just the way that it ended up happening. Cause I had a guy that was on the forklift before. If I wasn't driving the machine, he was, and it would take him 30 minutes to bring me a pack of studs. What was he doing? I don't fucking know. Driving backwards. He brought the wrong pack of studs that one time. <laughs> no, he was, he was on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think it's history. You, no, with Manny. Do you, I was going to do green book. Do you have, no, green you got to do history with Manny. No, you have green book or no, I could do history. You want to do history? Yeah, I'll do history. I thought that's where we were going. You little <laughs> bitch. I'll do history. here. <laughs> I want to ask you guys 
What's the tallest tower being built right now? And I'll give you a hint. It's going to be bigger than Burj. Anybody know? It's in the same area. Is it? I was going to say, is this something in China? Everything's in China now. No. (laughs) This is in Dubai. Dubai. It's the Jeddah Tower. The tower is going to be 72 meters taller than the Burj. Wow. It's basically one kilometer. That's crazy. (laughs) It started and then it stopped. And it started again, and now it's predicted to be completed soon. $500 billion. Crazy money, man. So I kind of went that way because I was going, I'm doing history and future too. I'm I mean, trying with, to figure out the two. Yeah. How do they get the concrete sense. up there? They One take long the stairs. Pump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take the it's stairs, man. On its way up. So just to give you guys an idea, yeah, so they're going to be 1,000 meters. Burj is at 828 meters. Um, Sojun is a Sojun uh, center in China. That's 729 meters. And then the Shanghai Tower is 632 meters. Uh, the Royal Clock Tower in Saudi Arabia, that's 601. And wow. then the Chao Tai uh, in China again is 530. And then the Taipei Tower? Taipei. Taipei in Taiwan, that's 508 meters. Nothing, I guess, nothing in. North America. I guess the CN Tower is a pimple now. Well, that was back <laughs> in the 70s, right? Uh, no, it's pretty interesting. I didn't even know about this building, so it's, it's, it's interesting. There's going to be uh, observations decks way up there at 630 meters high. So You're in the clouds at that point. Maybe another roller coaster. It's so weird because I see in construction people are talking about doing bungalows, and now we're going higher with buildings. <laughs> interesting. That's it. That was History with Manny. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. So again, right? Cluelessframer at gmail.com, at cluelessframer, and also alchemist.carpentry at gmail.com and alchemist underscore carpenter. Uh, where do you guys want to go now? I want to go, actually, I don't think you guys actually answered the young guy, the kid that wants to be union or non-union. Which one you, would you guys... It depends on the individual. That's what you guys were saying? I think it's all individual. It doesn't really matter whether he goes union or non-union. There are pros and cons, right? If he goes into the custom side of things, he might, might be exposed to a little bit more like a variety of work. But with the union, again, you get your pensions, you get you know benefits. So it depends on what the individual is looking for. But I think the more important question is for them to find somebody who is actually good and is willing to teach them. I agree. But they have to be willing to stay. Yeah, that's the key word. Nobody wants to give apprenticeships anymore, right? To do an apprenticeship, don't you have to be red seal? So for the years that we've been doing this, for the years that my dad's been doing this, technically he's not red seal. So technically you're not allowed to. He's allowed to teach only one person, right? He I can, can hire anybody, and they can work for me by the hour. Framing, there's no, they don't question any of that. I think there was a point that we had nine, ten-man crew one year, and I hired a guy that had over 20 years' experience, paying him 40 bucks an hour, nothing but fuck-ups. Wow. Right? There was, a, there was one house that fucked Everything up. Everything was bad? Fucked up on a stair opening seven inches, hooked on from the, like, hooked on from the outside wall, instead of the inside of the two by six. So both stair openings were off. I had to go in on a Saturday. I put my forklift through the front door. I tied a winch to it. We cut out the corners of the LVI. We literally winched it seven inches over on both floors. Holy shit. You're a surgeon, brother. It it makes you wonder, okay, so how is the workforce? How, How are the young guys coming up into the industry now? I've had 
good guys and I've had bad guys. Which have you and had more of? I've had more of the bad. I think and we all it. have had more of the bad. So with the young guys, it's, um, it's a sense of entitlement. They feel like they deserve whatever it is they're asking for with nothing to back it up, right? They'll come on site, oh, uh, I want 25 bucks an hour because I've been framing for a year. It's like, okay, sh- 25 bucks an hour, no problem. Show me what you can do. And then you start realizing you're worth like 14. So How do they what, take that? They well, don't like it. When it gets to that point, they're not sticking they're, around. They're right? gone it's at a that day point. Or two, they're gone. They can I, get a yeah. regular job at Starbucks and get paid more. Well, at yeah. least you only lost that much instead of the 40. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the good ones, I find, have come from either a different trade, have some sense of construction background, or from a different career altogether. Like they're in the office job and they want to change and they're hungry to do something different. And those are usually the good ones. I find myself reinventing myself every 10 years. I don't know if it's because of injuries or just life in general, but like I'm going through it. I was telling you guys before the podcast, I'm going through a change right now myself. So like every 10 years I get this change in life. It doesn't matter what for reason it just happens. And I think it's, I think it's uh, healthy to make changes every few years and kind of challenge yourself and reinvent yourself, right? Getting back to that, where is all your work? Because I found both of you guys are out of the city, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting because I keep talking to guys that there's more money outside the city than there is in the city. Seems like it. Yeah, everything's happening outside of the core because the core is so expensive, right? And so competitive. And everything is is going vertical. Yeah. I mean, Case can price out a couple of jobs in Toronto, but I'm... I can't price out jobs in Toronto because going back to the whole union thing, I don't want to give up money for doing customs. I've done a couple, you know, back-to-back townhouse complexes in the city. There's a couple of those going around, but not as much. Uh, outskirts, like right now, Whitby. I'm building six townhouses in Whitby, and I've got a renovation on a house that was built like 1890s, somewhere there. They just called us in. They want to make open concept. It's a VP for one of the builders that we work for, so it's not really a conflict of interest. It's all, you know. And where's that one? And would be as well? No, that's downtown Toronto. That's downtown Toronto. Yeah. So where do you get your work? From the union or from builders that are unionized? I've My dad's worked for the same contractor, like a framing contractor, for 20 years. So you guys aren't looking for work. You have enough work. I think I've got too much work. No, no, yeah, and you don't want to grow. Like, you're very comfortable where you're at. The problem with growing back to Case's point is you get a lot of the bad. So a couple years ago, I had two guys that asked for a raise. All right, no problem. Gave them a raise. They left. Soon after? Like right before they were going to start making more money. So let's just say they asked for a raise on the Friday, the Monday when they would have started with the new wage, which was five bucks an hour more. Wow, that's a big raise. Did they they know? Yeah. They knew? Yeah. So where did they go to? Another trade or another industry? I'm always just curious. They don't talk. It's like they're insulted when they leave. I don't know if you found that. Like, you'll have an employee that'll work for you. I don't know. Maybe But their math them. is that they need to be making $40 an hour. But the problem is if you don't drive and I have to have someone. Oh, no. That's, that's bull. If you if, if you want 40 you better have your car. You better have a truck. You better have your tools. But if you want 40 I better be able to leave you with a blueprint. Oh, yeah. And you better build me the house. I'll mm-hmm. leave you one or two guys. But you better be able to build the house independently so I can maybe take on another job. And it wasn't. And that wasn't the case. Like, there was a time that... My crew got split. I had half the crew downtown Toronto. I had the other crew in Richmond Hill. And I couldn't look over my shoulder. 
I would give instruction to the guys and the guy that was behind me that had, you know, supposed how many years of experience, I would look at him looking at the blueprint, turning it upside down to figure out what I was trying to tell the crew. <laughs> and then my dad I think that's a bad sign and if then, you see him turn the drawing. <laughs> and then my dad had the you know, the problem where two guys just left. One guy was like, you know what, you work too hard, I'm gonna go work at a factory. Went from making twenty I think he was making like 25 bucks an hour at the time to making 14. Some people don't want to work hard. No, but construction. It goes to that conversation that you guys had with your 40 hour days a couple of days ago. How uh, it should be a four day week. Four day weeks. I yeah. don't agree. I'm you doing four agree? day weeks no. next year and I don't give a shit. I work 10, 12 hours yeah, a day anyways. Day. I'm and doing four day paid, weeks, man. I get, paid by the, I get paid by the house. I don't get paid by the hour. So I need to be able to produce. Yeah, but okay. So if you could take the same amount of hours that you're doing in five days and put it in four days and then have that fifth day for yourself. I'd be working 14, 15 hours a day. And that was kind of our point. How? I would rather work that 10 or 12 or 12 hours. Hopefully it's 12. Then instead of working the five Yeah. at 10. But in the winters, how are you going to do that? When the sun comes up, you can realistically start in subdivision. You can start 730 and the sun's down by five. Yeah, yeah but you so get how work are you going to do that in general? So and then you're, you you're only the getting nine you're hours. Scraping, you're scraping, you're, you know, you're cleaning snow, you're shoveling the house, you're losing an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. I've been shut down in the winters before because the builder hasn't been able to keep the roads clean. And they'll send me home, and that's a day loss of production. So who gets back charge on that? There's no back charge. There is none. You just don't make the money it, because it you haven't is, moved yeah. on to the next level. Mm-hmm. But, you're, but you're going to get those weather conditions anyways. I've been, I framed for over a year outside just roofs and yeah. ice and snow. An hour, hour and a half every day. And then once we got going, we were laughing. So I'd, like I said, I'd rather put those long hours in, uh, split on a work light or buy the work light and then just have it shine in the house. Next, hopefully the neighbors don't complain, but I mean. Yeah, I did the same thing, just set up lights. Yeah. But if you think of it this way, if you're working longer hours in the day, right? Every single day, you go in five days. Every day you spend an hour cleaning, shoveling. Yeah. That's five hours lost. If you work longer hours in four days, you spent four hours. You're shoveling four instead of five. Yeah, I get it, but I'm waking up already at five. five it's a challenge for your trade. For for a GC, mm, four days is is, yeah. is the future. I'm sorry, it is to for me. My trade, no, because it's for me. It's piecework. I think I, I'm also seeing a lot of you younger no, I, guys. You guys are trying to embrace more personal time. You guys hate the fact that you're constantly just it's work. You wake up. Work, you go home, you go to sleep, you have a little bit of family time, and then you wake up and you go to work. And then your personal time is killed. And then before you know it, you're going to be in your late 30s. You'll be like, I just saw my family grow and I missed all of it. So that's why I think that the younger are starting to pay attention to the older guys realizing don't do that and yeah. find that extra time. And that to find the time, it's the fifth day. I think Case has found the work-life balance a lot better than I have. Yeah, only took... I don't know how many years, but yeah, this year. I as long as you found change. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so what was the big change? I think the key moment was, it's weird, it's going to sound sappy, right? The key moment was when I was home with the broken back, and then I'm spending more time with, uh, with my kid. He got hurt, and he ran to me. And usually he would run to mommy, right? And he ran to me, and I was like, oh, shit. Maybe I do need to be around a little bit more. Oh, that's cool. And then that opened up a whole bunch of other things. But now, I mean, I make time for personal stuff. 
family and work. So I, I have a better balance now. I don't have it perfect. I really should be making a little more time for uh, family, but I found a new hobby, so that's taking up a little bit more time. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's always a struggle to get that perfect balance, but you do have to make an effort. And I wasn't, you know, a few years ago, I wasn't making that effort. It was just, if I make all the money now, and if I just chase after it now, then later on it'll be better. But it doesn't get but any better. No, it never gets better. Like you it's work always seven like, days. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna finish this job and take a couple of days off. But by nope. the time you finish that job, something else comes up. There's always something. So if you don't make the time, it's never gonna come. Yeah, no, it's true. Isn't your objective though, all of us in construction, to work smarter, which means that you work faster, which means that you complete tasks sooner? which means that you have more personal time, which means that you can do other things in life. Isn't that the whole objective here, guys? It, or is the objective just to consume, live, breathe, work, which I disagree with? I 100% disagree with that. And that was one of the things we were talking about with the efficiency and working smarter as well, right? Um, what were we talking about yesterday? yesterday. Just, uh, we were talking about plates, the whole work. Yeah. Spreading trusses. And he was saying, you know, to get it done faster, you just throw up uh, a two by four on edge and call it a day and start spreading trusses. And I go, well, no, if you spend time building a wider plank so it's more comfortable to walk on, you lose a little bit of time there. But guess what? Now you're spreading trusses quicker because you can walk more comfortably. So it's not about doing things fast. It's about doing things efefficiently. Mm -hmm. And by doing things efficiently, in turn, you're faster. You're but that goes against union. And you're working faster. Union's about endurance. Union's no. about just get it done. It, it doesn't when you have your own machine. Okay. So for the while that we've been framing, when we have a two-story build, we'll go truss by, we'll go truss by truss. You know, we'll throw up the girder with the jacks already installed. Next truss already has the step-up blocks because we use step-ups. A lot of people just go, what would you call it? Just like flat off of the trusses and just build up and just nail every 22 and a half. What do you mean flat off the truss? We do step ups when we build our trusses up, always. Yeah. But you can, you know, you can do a setback and go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You guys do a setback, so we don't do that. We go step ups, nail trusses, go up with straps, get set, two people hold it, you know, unhook the machine. The trusses are already standing up, step ups are already installed. Just nail them together, and we just put our roofs up that way. Everything's engineered that you have, right? Like everything's already built on the ground, ready to go. Well, trusses have to be assembled usually on the roof. They're spread by hand, dragged across the entire house, and then stood up one by one. And you're walking on, on, on the walls and stuff, right? And you're spreading trusses that way. If we have the machine, everything is done. Like, I run all my step-ups on it, and then it's just literally truss by truss, kind of like you would with a crane. The roof is already up. Everything is just, it just gets set, nailed to the, to the outside wall, inside walls, everything. And then once it's all up, all the step-ups get nailed to the truss that it goes, I guess, the next truss, and that's it. The roof is basically assembled except for the hips and everything else. Do you find yourself using a different system, being not union? It depends on the access. So if most of the time I was using a crane company with the articulating arms. I love those things. Yeah, love them. Uh, the company I use is Braymore, and I trust the guy with my life. I use the cranes because of limited access. I don't always have space to have a machine. When I do have space for the machine, I'll use the machine to lift up material to move walls, to stand up walls. But for trusses, I still, I still use a crane because it's safer. 
Yeah, yeah but it's expensive for using a crane. It is expensive. It's like sixteen hundred bucks a day, right? Yeah. But no, is it that? Well, it can be if you're using it, it all day. On the speed. But if you plan, get everything ready ahead of time, you could achieve it in what three hours? It's oh. a three-hour minimum. That anyways. house that I went to go help him at, his roof was massive, and I just remember driving there, and all of his one day, and all of his trusses were basically spread. They were all basically pre-assembled, and then he just calls a crane and he cranes them in. It's kind of what I do, except I go truss by truss, and like I said, I have an extendable jib, so my machine's fifty-six feet. The jib goes another twenty. Ooh, wow. Right? Crazy. I'm super jealous of Barbosa. He's got his telehenda. Yeah. Yeah. It, He's got a reach of uh eighty feet, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it rotates. So literally he can have all his trusses set on the back. He sets up the machine once, kinda like a crane, and he has he has a personal crane because it's wireless and it's got remote. So I think that's kind of hopefully in the next ten years that'll kind of be where I'm at. But again, it's kind of like Case's point. It's like having a crane and he can fit that machine in areas where he has less access and boom yep. up material the way that he needs. Yep. So on his part, that was a smart ass play. He knew it too. He, yeah. he knew that he had to invest in that. It was yeah. important. We for had him to a, we actually had a conversation, which was one of the points that I sent you was um, how to buy a machine if you don't want to finance off of a leasing company. So the way that we did it was we used a secure line of credit attached to one of my parents' houses. 3% interest as opposed to eight. That's and huge. And the way that it worked was because it was, a it was a corporate buy, the corporation signed for the machine but got the loan off of the personal line of credit. Yeah. So that could have been repaid with interest and the accountant would have set everything up to you know kind of set everything up. So everything was a loan payment. So instead of paying a corporation, you're paying yourself with interest. And even if you got to you know, pay a bit of taxes on it because you're not a finance company. It's not that big. It's a write-off. Yeah. It's a write-off for the company and you're financing on your own money. And I mean, if you guys are young and you want to buy a machine and your parents trust you and you've got a good relationship with them and you can get a secure line of credit, just don't fuck up their credit. But it's a way that you can pay them a little bit of extra money and instead of paying a financial institution, keep the money in the family. Yeah, I love it, man. I know that you, everyone says it's a write-off, but is it 100% write-off because it's, a, it's an actual tool in your arsenal for the business? Yeah. That's or is it considered a vehicle? Because the vehicles are not 100% write-off. They can be, though. Yeah. And even at a personal level, like like... Like, so, I know you like to lease. I buy everything out. I'm just saying that there are some new gray areas when it comes to CRA, which is our tax man here in Canada. Yeah. So that's why I was just asking. I don't know if any of the machinery, if it's 100% right off. Yes, it's, okay. a, it's at a company expense and you're financing from somewhere. So the payments and everything is a full write off for the company. Funny enough that you mentioned cars. There's a an, and the gray area. So on the CRA website, it says that if an employee is using their own vehicle, they have to be paid, I think it's 58 cents the first 5,000 K and 55 cents every kilometer after for Holy using their own vehicle. So if you were to finance a car under your own name, you have a corporation, you pay yourself payroll, you're technically an employee of your company. Yes. So the company can't just give you a loan payment of set amount. That's under the CRA guidelines. If you open it up, that's what they calculate as it's a car allowance yes yes so with your own car allowance if i'm driving fifty thousand kilometers a year how much money am i really giving myself that is technically tax-free because it's not considered income yep it's but correct. there's there's a downside to that and i mean the rules are there we read them the facts are the facts you know and you're doing everything right and then all of a sudden three years down the road yeah the you know the federal government calls you and says i've given you a penalty of ten thousand dollars and we don't believe what you had going there like you 
put more money down on the car that we don't believe you're using. Mm -hmm. You're not using that much gas, even though the kilometers match the fuel. And so you get penalties. So I've been penalized like $10,000 more than twice because they say they don't believe me, even though I produce the facts, which are the invoices, the receipts, and so on. You also need a logbook. Yeah. You also need I have a that. When I had a corporation, I had the, well, when I had a car registered to the corporation, I got audited in my first year of business. It's going to happen to every single person. Which is actually yeah. a blessing mm -hmm. because what you want is when you're first starting off, you might not make as much money as your next year. But you want to know that your account is on top of their shit and you don't owe the government money. <laughs> it's true. Because it's hard to find, like in this company, owning a company, it's hard to find people, find a circle that you can work with. And it's not just your subtrades. It doesn't just stop at your subtrades. You got to think insurance brokers. If you lease a shit ton of cars, you want a relationship with somebody at the dealership that might give you a better price. You have insurance brokers, you have your, you know, your commercial liability, your home liability, everything. You want somebody that'll take care of it, a bookkeeper, an accountant, because you can't have all those hats. And you come to a point where you got to delegate something. And I think those professionals for me, as long as I can continue working, all hands on my company, I can continue growing. As long as I don't have to worry about that Mickey Mouse shit that might come around once a year, that'll save me money. So I think getting audited like in the beginning was a blessing because then you see, okay, I actually have a good accountant that is going to help me and, def and defend me. One of the best things that all you young guys getting into construction can do is start lining up all those people that you have to be yeah. associated with. You have to build you relationships. You have to. Don't date. Don't, I'll do it on the weekend. I'll do my bookkeeping. I'll take all my receipts. That's bullshit. Don't do that. Focus on building your business. Yeah. And then you're going to come to find out one day that, you know, the rainy days aren't really rainy days. Yeah. <laughs> there's no rainy day like you say oh i'm gonna wake up at this time and i'm gonna procrastinate and do fuck off scratch my ass sit on the couch and watch netflix no like if i have to go to my accountant i have to set up you know one or two like set up phone calls with my accountant or i have to go see something else luckily i don't need a lawyer i'm not in your position i don't know where you guys if you need lawyers. oh you'll always need a lawyer trust me <laughs> if you're in construction you're gonna be having a conversation with a lawyer it's just one a day. matter of yeah. time i'm just that's just a fact right but i also when you're lining up all your ducks, yeah. it gives you an opportunity to ask them as many questions as possible yes. because you never know there's a percentage of your home that you can use for your business. There's also, you can put parents or uh, siblings, anybody on the payroll, you mm -hmm. can, and that could be an advantage to you and your business. So ask them all these questions. Hire the person to do it. You guys got a kid that's on TikTok? Hire them as your social media. That's user. bingo. It's a, a job. <laughs> that's exactly up to 18, it. Yeah. I think it's up to 18. You can pay them up to like fuck what 12 grand a year or something or you can pay them and have a salary and they don't have to pay as much tax and you know and they start working at an earlier age yeah like my sister when she was dying to work at 15 like that's all she wanted they're smart moves okay carlito oh it's green book cv no it's not it's not <laughs> double manny it's like do you have green book yeah anything you want buddy <laughs> that's a green book. bring up something about the green book yeah what's the green book exactly uh, yeah. it's on the dash of my sprinter uh, uh, that's where okay, it's at let, let's keep it simple because we're moving on here <laughs> so what's the fine for not having a helmet on the job site come on you brought this one up before i know but Episode. we're doing a review it's 200 i feel like galaxy quest now man <laughs> i don't watch tv so i don't know what you're talking about 200 I was, was going to say 250, but... Yeah, the man wins. 250! <laughs> <laughs> Give up! Carly, what does he win? <laughs> <laughs> well, Manny, hang on a second. Here's a balloon for you. <laughs> Where do you want to go from here, guys? What else do we want to chat about? Actually, I wanted to ask, have you guys ever challenged a uh, 
Ministry of Labor. Challenge them? Yes. I've had a conversation. I wouldn't say I would challenge them. I've no. been part of challenges, so I've, I've worked under people that were, you know, they were the people running the site. Yeah. I was the a general, I was a general contractor, but subbed out. I've seen the city, the employer that I had that was giving me the work, he went against the ministry. At the end of the day, the inspector almost lost his job for doing wow. what he wanted, not what the law wanted him to do. So the ministry got involved and passed us, opened up the permits again, and that guy pretty much lost his position. So he was just- Do you just, remember what it was? It was so long ago. I know that it worked. And after that point, I wasn't afraid of inspectors anymore or the, or the city. I know that they're there to work for us. We pay them and without us, they're not gonna make any money and they're not gonna employ their employers or employees. I'm not afraid of the minister anymore telling them what I feel should be done on the site as long as we're following. Oh, I'm still afraid of them because they have the power to still they're going to find something. I don't care yeah. how pristine your site is. They will find something. And it's in their hands whether or not they're going to find you. Find and then find you. But getting fined is the... Why do you ask? Because in my life, I've had two conversations with two different inspectors. I'm all inspectors. And both of the times I've been able to have them understand why I'm doing something a certain way. And they just kind of leave you alone. And they just kind of like nod their head like, yeah, that was true. And, you know, they're on their way. Because you don't shit your pants as much on a job site than when you see the MLL. Oh, of course. Like, Holy shit, are all my window blocks in? And yeah. like, The helmets go on? Uh, no, helmets are always on. Oh, I feel naked without my helmet. I mean, in working indoors, obviously. <laughs> yes, that's right. But that's, no, right. right. That, that's right, guys. Yeah, helmets are always on. <laughs> every single uh, minute and of every and single one, day. At least one head <laughs> on, in my life has been protected. Oh, do you, do you know how many times I wear well, my how helmet? How many kids so you got? <laughs> Manny. Technically, I've always had my helmet on, okay? <laughs> um, I, sometimes I forget, like, I'm wearing my helmet all the time. Sometimes when I'm at home, I don't have it, and I'll smash my head on something. I'll be like, fuck, I wish I had my helmet on. I'm just trying to get into the van or into the It's so bizarre because I'm always hitting my head at work. Like, there's always something I. Because I'm taller, I, I hit pipes. I there's doesn't matter if you're paying attention. You're always like looking at your phone or looking at paperwork or chasing or somebody. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I always hit something. So like every day, I'm pretty much getting something off my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the first encounter came with me when I had my accident because I had to. He basically asked me what happened. And to no fault of our own, what happened to me was kind of like a freak accident. But from my understanding, was from the moment that that accident happened, I had a year to get fined. Even if it was an accident and they find some type of foul player, they believe whatever they want to believe, somebody is going to get fined. Usually from what I understood. So so the individual or the company or the site? Both. Really? Well, it trickle, it's a trickle effect. Yeah. So the company would have got fined. Like my personal company would have got fined. The contractor that I worked for would have got a fine and the builder would have got an even bigger fine. Like imagine twenty five hundred and yeah, five hundred. It keeps on oh, but it gets bigger as it gets higher. Yeah, because so more 50, money, bigger 200, companies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the other time he walked into my he walked into one of my houses and I had a scaffold. He saw my scaffold over a tall wall at the entrance of the house. He saw no railing on the scaffold, and he came and he asked me. He's like, "Hey, just as a question, why don't you have a railing on the scaffold?" And I, you know, shit my pants a little, had to stop and think, and I said. Well, because anybody that is standing on this scaffold, because there's, you know, a 17-foot drop, is expected to be tied off. 
shook his head in agreement, looked around, saw that all my windows, as long as you have a block on your window, whatever excuse you have to keep them out of your house, the better. You know, everything was in order. He just, all right, good day. Walking. Excellent. Nice play. Poker player over here. <laughs> but I think that every trade should actually have those situations. They should be tested with it. They should be aware of it. And the hint is just look for the blue hard hat. That's all it is, right? So they have to show up with a blue hard hat. For the beginning of my career, I think for the first three years, I had a blue hard hat, the same fucking color. Nobody uh. told me shit. So a lot of people would see me walking down. They'd be like, and then they'd see that I was framing. They'd be like, hey, what the fuck? He's like, I thought you were MOL. <laughs> and I don't like the little shits that just yell it out of anywhere on the job site. They'll just, ministry's here! And well, I'm like going, what the fuck are you guys doing, man? Like That just sphincters tighten up everywhere. Well, we, we scream monkey on site. That's we'll what you say, do? monkey, monkey, and then every. <laughs> but then on, I was watching Instagram. But if he the, knows that, now you're calling him a monkey. Well, that's gone bad on me once. Um, <laughs> I think you got to throw your ball at the next person over, like. <laughs> yeah, but then you're throwing things at people. <laughs> um, but now I'm hearing guys, just for jokes, I think it could be possibly true, that some of the guys at work are actually doing it. Uh, they're pretending they're monkeys, so like here, <laughs> and people are like. Because uh, inspectors are showing up, <laughs> or someone from the health ministry. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> oh, we could do birds like the mafia. Is that what they do? Well, they drop a fish at your door and they make. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do OBC talk? Let's do it. Everybody know their OBC. I actually brought the books today. You like that, eh? That's a challenge. <laughs> Is it open book? <laughs> How big, guys, according to the Ontario Building Code, should your parking space be? Parking it's, space. It's based on the size of the structure being built. Like your garage? Your parking space. Not garage, your parking space. Wasn't it like eight feet wide? Minimum? Um, minimum is nine feet wide mm. and 17 feet long. But it is 0.5 of each 100 square meters of gross floor area. So whatever the house is, that's how you calculate it. Does that imply if they build a fucking sidewalk last minute? <laughs> if they no, well, because the, the sidewalk becomes their property now, the city property. Yeah, it doesn't belong to the home. It cuts off your... So what there's, if you're trying to get a parking spot, a space, you're going to have to move the structure back. How about if you go green with interlock? Go green with interlock? Like you could do more, that? You could do more parking space... By going green, it's still parking. They pad. won't. They won't okay. allow it. Sometimes in the municipalities, if you don't have permits and you expand your driveway, they can just knock on your door. From my understanding, and tell you to remove it and yeah. sod. That's all. That's <laughs> <laughs> what were you looking for? A fight? Dude, I, I don't know this <laughs> shit. I just find this shit. Like no, city, city in Toronto, the houses that don't have parking. If you park on your lawn, can you get in trouble? If you don't have a yeah. permit, yeah. you need no, no, a permit. Well, you even if you park on your lawn, you're still going to get a ticket. It's downtown you, Toronto, Toronto it's 260 get, bucks. Yeah, you have to get a permit. Yeah. So now you have, let's say you have a parking pad size space in front of your house, and you say, yeah, I could park my car right there on the lawn there. You'll get tagged, and then you'll have to get a permit that you have to pay annually mm -hmm. to park your car on your property. Yeah, it looks like a plaque, no? Yes. Like mini license yeah. plate. Yes. So I you can't stand that. I used to park on the grass and the sidewalk because my wife wouldn't move her car. So I just park on the grass and the sidewalk, and then a neighbor called, and they were ninety dollar tickets. Every time you did that. Every time I parked on there. So did you eventually, find out the I neighbor? was just like, I might as well just pay for a permit on the street. It's cheaper than paying the tickets. But you can only get permits for a maximum of seven days. No, you can get a permit on the street. I got a little story before. This is way before COVID. You'd have to get permit right 
to park on the street because obviously in Toronto, most areas, you can't start working until 10 o'clock in the morning. Nice mm -hmm. little fucking rule that the city implied. We as contractors, what time do we start? 7.30. Exactly. Legitimate. So we would all show up and tag, 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 and it was pissing me off. So I noticed, I started paying attention to the rent-a-cops that were issuing the tickets, and they were just issuing the tickets, handwritten tickets, right? And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So then I decided to get a permit, and then I looked at the permit, and I'm like, that's easy. Scan, Photoshop, change the date, put it on. <laughs> <laughs> that went on for about a year and a half until I, all of a sudden I saw all the parking guys show up with scanners that are connected to 3G. So they were scanning the barcode now. Wow. So the Photoshop versions were coming up as slight error, but not completely false. So that lasted another week or two. I like that there's a dirty side <laughs> to you. <laughs> Photoshop is good for a few things, man. That's all. What yeah, else do you guys want to chat? <laughs> well, I think I have one talking point. And okay. It's going to sidetrack how the flow of everything's going. But it, it kind of ties into how we learn in construction. So it might have to do with the guys who are mentors to the new ones coming in and also the new ones itself. There's this word I heard on CBC years ago, and it just clicked. It's called aphantasia. And it turns out that not everybody can imagine things in their head, uh, as in have a mental image in their head. So if I were to say to, to all three of you guys, can you imagine a cube yeah. three inches by three inches by three inches in your head? Now, can you actually see that image in your head? Yes, yes, yep. yes. And you can turn that image in your head. Not everybody can do that. And those are the guys who, who have this thing called aphantasia. I call them clients. <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad that I pictured so. that cube spinning on Google SketchUp? No, that's fine. As long as you can imagine something Mine was in your see head, through. that's fine. <laughs> so... So my point is, the, these guys who can't imagine things, right, they can still grasp the concept, but they may not be able to get to the conclusion as quickly as, you know, guys like us can, right? So next time you see somebody who's struggling with something and can't really grasp a concept or they're reading plans, you're trying to show them, you know, this wall is this long and translate it to the floor, maybe talk to them about or approach uh, it differently. Yeah, approach it differently. So there's so many different ways to approach teaching somebody something. You can either be right beside them, show show them step by step, or you can just explain something and if they can kind of imagine that, turn it in their heads and take it a step further. You got two completely different scenarios, but not everybody is... Don't write them off, is what I'm saying. No, no, for yeah, sure. Right? right. You can't just say, oh, this guy's not getting it. He'll, he'll never improve. It may not be true. It could be the best, like, carpenter, towel setter, whatever that you've, you've ever have or will have, but you got to invest that time into figuring out how these people learn and how they can take in information and output information as well. There's another 100%. There's, there's another totally great agree. side to what you said. I was on a site and we had the city and we had a couple of foremen from the, the other company and I was part of a conversation and I saw one of the foremen walk over to one of his laborers and he opened up a blueprint, 
let him see exactly what was happening, pointed it out and said, take that blueprint, take, go take a look at it. I'll be back over in a couple of minutes. That changed that guy's life. I could see that moment that that foreman took a second of his kindness and his time to give him another level or some responsibility or the vision of what they were doing and gave him that opportunity. It changed that guy and, and it motivated him to be a better worker. I could see it almost instantly happen just from him spending a couple seconds with a drawing and just showing him something that that guy was never shown. So he could have been working for 10 years for the union or for someone else and never had that opportunity because you know he's just a, a civil worker. And this guy, for a moment, just seconds, changed his life. So I, I love that you're saying yeah. that. Would you guys agree that everybody that gets into construction becomes a teacher eventually? I Every think, single I one. I think you have to want to teach. Yeah. Even if you're going to be an employer, you have to want to teach something. And it's, it, it goes a lot... You have a lot of people that say, I'm not going to teach them all of my tricks because I don't want them to know it. And then That's I don't want the them to be against me. Yeah. I've had guys, because, <laughs> and you guys have had the conversation here that, you know, five hours on working and five hours on your business is almost equivalent. If you're spending five hours working, you're spending five hours working on your business yeah. as well on in the, the back end shit. Yeah. I've had guys that I have not only just tried to teach them how to frame and explain to them why this is done and how this is done, but I've also tried to teach them the business side and the mentality from the business side. I think that this is a conversation that something as simple as explaining to somebody, hey, you make X amount of dollars, but for every dollar you make, I have to pay X amount of dollars additional to the government for WSIB, for payroll, CPP, all of that. Insurance. Yeah. I think teaching them that side of business is also important because a lot of us you know, want to go out on our own once we gain enough experience or we're in the seek of more money and you don't realize that the business aspect of it, which is what you didn't learn, was something that you should have tried to, you know, hey, how do you do this? Or, hey, come taxis and how, like those are important conversations to have as well as just building. And then earlier you asked me about a construction bone. One of the fucking thing that drives me absolutely ballistic about construction is- Don't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen guys just cut drywall. Just the way that they score the drywall. You know when you cut drywall, you put the blade on your left hand, like if you're right-handed, knife on the other, you score the drywall yeah. sheet? Yeah. Bosses won't explain how to do that to their employees. They'll just say, okay, I need this drywall, and you see the poor guys just grabbing a chalk line, fucking, you know, throwing a chalk line, and then they trying to cut on the, the line. They won't show them the knife no. tape no. trick? No. Really? Nothing. Actually, that's funny. One of my former employees who who came out to help me actually you might be listening to the show so anyways <laughs> we have a few listeners so we're doing drywall this week right <laughs> yeah i'm we're kind of split kind of passionate pieces whatever i i go and score my piece and he goes how'd you do that <laughs> like really <laughs> like same way you mark the sheet with your pencil right it's a it's a knife it's funny. It's um, oh, that actually brings me to another point. But that's that a union up. trick, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that that brings me to another point I want to bring up is there's a difference in in guys, right? In the mentality where, if you show somebody something, there's one type of guy that will be able. You can say, put four nails in this two by eight, right? And they'll put four nails in this two by eight, and they'll keep doing that. You show them one thing, that's all they know. But there's another type of guy that you'll go put four nails in this two by eight. They'll go, okay, why does it need four nails? You always have to teach them the why and then give them a two by 12, give them a two by you know, 48, whatever it is. He'll know how many nails to put in there. Yeah. 
I like that. Yeah. Ask questions if you guys are coming in the stream. Don't be afraid to ask questions. No, don't be afraid. But yeah. but you said something really important too. Like you started getting into insurance and WSI. So when these guys are asking for forty bucks, they have no idea what they have to what we have to pay on top of that forty bucks for them to be at work. You know what I mean? Like we were talking about this the other day. Just WSIB and HST, 26%. That blows my mind, and it's getting worse. So you're the one that did the balloons? Mm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ready for the 12 questions? I'm never ready for these questions. No? I, I, I Why? think about them and try to participate every time that you do it with your guests. It's a nice feeling that you know people listen to the show, and they actually get to the end, and they hear the questions and the answers. And I, I like what people would say, what they say, right? So I... <laughs> Electric space shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted it this morning. <laughs> Guys, gentlemen, Case, Alonzo, t- thank you so much, honestly, for being on the show, man, and finally coming on. I know that it's a little nerve-wracking to talk about you know, yourself and the industry, but you guys have shared a, a lot here. And, and someone out there is listening and going to take what you guys shared today like seriously. And they, it's going to help them either stick it through, stay in the industry, or even get into the industry. And ho- hopefully b- build their own business as a result of it. So we really appreciate that. We've appreciated everybody that's come on the show and shared all that stuff, right? That's I've, important. I've, I, uh, I've actually had guys that have reached out and said, hey, like I'm in this situation. Do you think I should go this route or I should go this route? And I mean, if you guys want to continue reaching out, I, I think either to myself or Case, because I've gone to a point where I don't, I'm not posting as much on Instagram, but I am, you know, I, I enjoy the conversations. Yeah. I enjoy those more very now. Very important. Yeah. yeah. The Meeting DMs people, are amazing. Guys, networking. Yeah. You always have to network. You guys always have to meet people because you never know. You might need to, tr- like, might need to trade. With that being said, like, I need to meet more guys out in the. If you guys are in the Barry area, subcontractors, whatever. I've met people that are looking for specific trades, and I can't service them because I don't. Because you don't know them. I'm not a GC. I'm kind of envious of you guys because you guys build relationships and build connections, and I kind of want to yeah but it's vice versa you, you don't have to build relationships and you get to come in and out and you're gone no but at while least, the money's there at least just to suggest <laughs> like i met a couple once and uh for some reason they had a leak on the roof they hired somebody to fix it and the guys are like uh, and the person that did it he's like hey i also do you know xxxxx they hired the guy to do the basement He's and, the roofer? Yeah. And he's a basement guy. Yeah. So apparently they paid him. Huh? Like, At least it was waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he ran a drain pipe 30 feet across a wall to not put it in the floor and run it five feet across to the actual sewer drain. Oh, that's smart. So they had a bathroom. The guy built up the toilet, ran a pipe from the toilet with a slope that went into the living room, built a box on the fucking floor. I've seen those before. 30 feet to the next drain pipe. Yeah. Wow. Huh? Like it was exposed. Just they, to avoid breaking concrete, huh? They don't know. Right? And those are the and then they were asking me, do you know this person or do you know anybody that does this? And Gotta start recording these podcasts on video so we can see our reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mind boggling. It's yeah. mind boggling. Ready? Go for it. What is your favorite construction word, gentlemen? Favorite. Construction word. Nice. 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 <laughs> wow. What is your least favorite construction word? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Back order. Oh. What turns you on in construction, guys? Clean work. Straight faces. 
<laughs> Isn't it like it just it makes you want to go to the optometrist when you look down the fascia the whole way and you just see it going the yeah. snaky kind of thing. Or you like stand outside of a house and you look at a house next door and you see the fascia like, in and out like over an inch. It's like fuck, at least that. <laughs> it's okay. The metal will cover it. <laughs> okay, what turns you off in construction? Mess. I hate mess. Sometimes I leave some mess. <laughs> yeah. I know, but you clean it up though. No, eventually. Uh, yeah, you just <laughs> clean up the house. You walk out. You come back in. The fucking HVAC guys were there. The electricians, wires everywhere. Like ev- everything. <laughs> so yours is the same thing. Both of you guys. I hate messes. Yeah, but I think uh, more than anything, it's somebody blaming you know others. I used to see that in my earlier years of construction. They would easily just say that wasn't me, and I knew it was them. Yeah. But it wasn't me. Well, and I'm like, Shaggy, just fucking clean it up, all right? Well, not just a mess, but back in my <laughs> Renault days, for example, I framed a basement at 16 on tenor. And somebody that was apparently an apprentice carpenter came in after me and she said, she bought the insulation. She was there when I was framing, bought the insulation and said, well, Alonzo made a mistake because he framed the basement to 16 on tenor when it was supposed to be 24. I got a bag of fucking. I got yelled at by my boss. And she's like, why are you framing at 16 when you're supposed to frame at 24? And I'm like, what the because like, I don't want the walls to bounce. I've always framed at 16. <laughs> well, wow. 24 on center is typically for a greener home or a TV show. Uh, oh what is your God. favorite He's got vehicle? so much Vaseline on him. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle, guys? could be anything in the world. Favorite vehicle? Space shuttle. <laughs> you got to tell me whatever you're laughing at. Well, first of all, Carlito <laughs> says that NASA uses PL premium glue on the tiles of the space shuttle. <laughs> And I debunked that one because I found out that it is a lip page glue, but it's not the PL. It's not the Portuguese luck, okay? And then on the last show, he said that the space shuttle was going electric. (laughs) (laughs) And I still can't get over that one, okay? So that's where the space shuttle comes from. And the space shuttle was his favorite vehicle. (laughs) Uh, Okay, for mine, I have a lot, but uh, I think Ariel Adam. The V8. That, Which one's that? That thing's like an oversized go-kart on steroids. It's oh. it's like a Polaris slingshot just oh. before the slingshot. It's oh, it's a, a three-wheeler. No no, 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 no. It's a four-wheeler. It's a four-wheeler. But it's got, uh, what's the CCs on that? Oh, it's 500 horsepower. Holy shit. There was and actually a video on YouTube years ago of a guy trying to eat a Big Mac while riding in one of those <laughs> in the passenger seat. <laughs> no, if you, if you watch Top Gun, you know, Jeremy on Top Gun, he's test driving it, right? There's a first version, and then the second version is the V8. It's got the two motorcycle engines on it. Holy hard, cow. And he goes for it. You can see his face. <laughs> 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 you got to look it up. It's hilarious. What's yours, Alonzo? Right now, I think I would, the Cadillac CTS-V wagon with the six-speed, with the manual transmission. Basically, a Corvette engine and a station wagon. They I still make manual? Good. Is it paddle or is it gear? No, manual. Really? Like, manual, manual. Like, I really would like in the next couple of years just to buy something with a stick shift. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I love yeah, stick shift myself. I love. <laughs> Least favorite vehicle. <laughs> that didn't sound very good, did it? No. <laughs> balls <laughs> and stick shift. Yeah, Carlito. Oh, thank this God I wasn't rubbing my balls when you said that. <laughs> uh, what is your least favorite vehicle? I can't believe nobody has said this yet. You guys remember the Pontiac Aztec? 
<laughs> that thing is the ugliest thing. I don't ever. remember that. I they, wanted a fucking Aztec. Are you kidding me? They, they, they the couldn't decide should we use plastic. I was waiting for the, the version back. that wood paneling was going to come out. Mm. It was just like it was plastic. It was metal. It was uh, it was just garbage, and it was just ugly. Wow. I think GM has made some of the ugliest vehicles. Saturn? Have you guys seen the uh, the GMC <laughs> Envoy, the the convertible? Yeah. Fuck. It's a smart idea. It's just ugly looking. Well, You're talking about the roof on the back of the SUV that retracts. Yeah. It's a smart idea. Yeah. But they've also made the uh, Avalanche, which again is a smart idea. Yeah. I don't like the Avalanche. But it's a, a lot smart of people idea. Love the Avalanche. But they discontinued that. Yeah. GM discontinues. Are they painters? Some, they would love to bring back the Fiero because the numbers of the Fiero back in the day were really good. Yeah, yeah but because that's because they were, were kit cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What that's construction true. sound or noise do you guys love? I love the sound of a hand plane. That. that he's in fine carpentry now. This is <laughs> <laughs> nice pass load. The the pneumatic pass load I think has been my favorite sound. We haven't even gotten into that, eh? No, we missed a lot of. No, no, we're gonna talk about that load. right after this, man. Oh, you know what else is uh, those new uh, battery air nailers that? <laughs> the, <laughs> the finish, <laughs> the, what the eighteen gauge, the sixteen gauge. <laughs> All of them. They're well, heavy. Their They're way too gun. heavy yeah. for me, man. You're a big guy. You can. <laughs> They're heavy, man. Look, you can finish your day, do a couple of 10 reps with them, and you'll be set. You don't have to go to the gym. That's it. <laughs> yeah, until you get my age. So and what you're off. saying, Alonso, is that they're the equivalent of a dumbbell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what profession, other than your own, would you guys like to attempt? I would love to be an architect, actually. And I, I seriously considered going back to school a few years ago to do that and just, you know, different paths and make different choices. But in another life, that's probably what I would have pursued. In the future, I'd love to be able to teach at least what I know or, you know, learn enough about business that I can help guys starting out. What uh, profession would you guys not like to do? Animation. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> like it, huh? Sit in the cubicle. 16 hours a day. Is that <laughs> so, what it is? It's a sweatshop, yeah. man. Yeah. You got to live, breathe, eat animation. Wow. Uh, brick laying. Don't like brickies, huh? My back can't handle bricking right now. The scaffolds, the fucking, it's way too heavy for me at this the point. The temperatures. I mean, we're involved. You guys are in the same, but, yeah, yeah. but then. No, not as bad. Yeah, mortar's wet. Your hands are wet. Like yeah, but in the winter, wet. they tarp. Because yeah, they have new to. residential sites, they tarp and Some. they have uh, propane heaters. True. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Wrong door. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. <laughs> I won't even lie. That was amazing. <laughs> Viewing gallery on right. Mm, I like that one. That's cool. Let's quickly go. What, uh, uh, Carlito, what do you think they are, man? Well, he's already hinted at pass load, but I still think both of you guys have mostly DeWalt. Mostly. Okay. You know what? I've been bashing DeWalt for years up until the last few years, and I'm noticing their tools have become better and better. So I do have quite a bit of DeWalt, but I have a little bit of everything. I have Bosch, Makita, DeWalt, like literally I'm all across the board, so no brand loyalty. Uh, my saws, Makita, Sawzall, I prefer the Makita over DeWalt. Actually, funny story about DeWalt. Back when I started this, I kind of wanted to be an influencer of some sort. 
And then I met the guys from Dewalt. But my intentions were test out tools, tell you guys what's wrong with it or what I broke because I have a reputation for breaking tools. Oh, yeah. You break everything. Yeah. You use You're tools. just rough? No. They just fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a Sawzall, brand new Makita Sawzall, 36 volt, out the box, one cut, stopped working. One cut? One cut. It started draining my batteries. I never heard that. He's yeah. not exaggerating. Had, he literally breaks everything. I had a Makita compressor electric to uh, two pump that one of the Makita reps gave to me. This is years ago. Now they don't want, they won't give me shit anymore. He gave me the compressor and he's like, here, test this out for us. Eight months it lasted me. I did an oil change on it and everything. Eight months. And they're not asking for your feedback. Well, I've done a couple of other things where they, well, not for, no. Well, I talked to the rep. I was open. I said, this doesn't work and this doesn't work. This never worked. And whether they improved it or not, I wouldn't know because they never sent me the new product, but I've, had a company sell clothes and say, here, try these pants. Tell us what you think. Apparently, they didn't like what I had to say because I never got shit from them again. So Well, that's the problem about being an influencer. The yeah. moment you start saying anything negative about their product, yeah. you're no longer their influencer. Yeah. So, so when it makes I, you wonder about all the influencers and what they're saying. When I approached DeWalt and I said, hey, I'd love to be able to try your products specifically for framing. I'll let you guys know what's wrong with them because I've had, you know, I've done some shit for... Well, at that time, it was just Makita. And, Love you know, Makita. I gave them feedback. <laughs> I, I do, too. Their warranty is great. I just but Makita. I just told them, and then the first thing he asked me was, how many followers do you have? Wow. And then I realized it wasn't about... So stupid. Yeah. So how many job sites do you have? How often do you work on a job site? How often do you work with framing? How many other framers do you work around? How many framers do you communicate with? Those are important questions. How many, what's your influence outside of social media? Yeah. Because I can recommend the tool to a whole bunch of people, but, you know, nobody's going to know about it. But I will recommend the tool that I've tried, like I've tested and I know works. And if it doesn't work, fuck, Makita with the three-year warranty on batteries and tools, you send it out, get repaired, it comes back to you, and it's fixed. I have the same saw since 2017. I just so keep sending are it. are you trying to get back in with Makita now? Yeah, Makita, please, <laughs> please, Makita, if you're hearing this. <laughs> well, Makita, the only one I, I have respect for Makita because Makita will not give free tools. Yeah. Right? You'll let them use them. They will in the States, from my understanding. But not here in Canada. Budget is Right? So, here, yeah. yeah, we're tiny here. But uh, everybody else, they're all whores, and they will give away as many reds, blues, yellows, lots of yellows. Yeah, yeah but... I do like Dewalt myself too. Yeah. So, <sighs> even though I make fun with Manny, they it's die. just fun. But the thing about Dewalt is you use them, they break, you replace them because they're cheap, done. Yeah, so, but they're not cheap anymore. I don't think like, So, my big, my, the company that's failed for me is Makita. Yeah. Like you said, every time you pick, when I pick up a Makita, I always burn a drill out. It's like catches on fire. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah. So, I just give away all my Makita suit. <laughs> <laughs> We got to wrap it up. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it, man. Everyone, check them out online. <laughs> Talking about all the social media. Shoot them an email. You guys are totally open for anybody reaching out and asking any questions, right? Because I totally respect what you guys said about the conversations are far more important than the likes yeah. or the comments 100%. that are on post, right? It's just that's how we teach. That's how we share. That's how. That's the reason why Carlito and I started the podcast, man. So it's like we don't know everything. We just interview guys who know everything, and then we regurgitate that no so I, I get to learn from everyone like every time you guys come on i get to learn something and, and change yeah. my life right we don't know everything either but you know the learning curve i think is, is is a part of the fun it's lots of fun well i have respect for you guys you guys came on here and you're not looking for anything you're actually giving back 
There's they people that booze. want something. They brought booze. Yeah, that's for later. Thank in you the very hours. much. That's, that's nice. <laughs> 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 so thank you so much for that. Alchemist Carpentry, alchemist.carpentry at gmail.com and alchemist underscore carpenter on IG. And then it's cluelessframer at gmail.com and it's at cluelessframer. Yeah. Alonzo, Case, thanks very much, man. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's good to have the beatbox back, man. So that was show number one. Thanks so much for being a part of this whole craziness and 24 hours of madness and crap. And I just got a text from Jim Carrick. He just texted me congratulating us and good tell luck with everything. Time to come down. He said hello, and that's all it was, right? Nice. So I was just like, I was tempted about asking him to come along. Time to come. See, well, maybe we'll do it. Why you stop? <laughs> monkey, monkey playing with his ball. Monkey playing with his ball. Check these guys out. Reach out to them, guys. Thanks you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. You're the reason why we keep on doing it. We out of here, Carlito. Straight out of Mississauga. Oakville. 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 Venture X. Oakville.